Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Just say that again. Yes, I'm working. That's good. Lovely. Thank you, Julie, for reading. Good to be here. Those of you who don't know, I'm Sally Sago. I'm a member here and a minister in training. And uh, it's my privilege to bring you the word this morning, as they say. What does that mean, bring you the word? It's one of those things. (laughs) Simon's still trying to work it out. Yeah, no. Okay, let's move these up out of the way. So, I got all the gadgets in a row. Great. Psalm 130 this morning, and we're thinking still about who do you think you are? Who are you? What's your identity? And the last couple of weeks, we've looked at that. We've looked at our identity, and we've looked at how we are children of the Father. And if you missed either of those, they're on the website on the podcast. So, or of course, they're always on CDs at the back. I think sometimes we forget we still have CDs at the back that you can take away with you if we don't have uh, online facilities. So the focus this morning is on forgiveness. Sin robs us of our identity. Forgiveness allows us to know our true identity. God is for us. God has given us Jesus. And we are forgiven. Psalm 130 is one of a number of psalms that were sung by um, the Jewish people as they went on their pilgrim up to Jerusalem, a pilgrimage up to Jerusalem at um, times of great festivals, especially the Passover. And if you look in the Message Bible, this psalm is called a pilgrim song. People were preparing their hearts for their time of worship and celebration at the temple. This group of psalms is also called Songs of Ascent, which means to climb or to walk upwards, up a mountain or up a hill, or rising up through the air. And in this psalm, that works on a number of levels. The pilgrims were going up to Jerusalem. They were going up to the temple. The temple was on the top, so they were going up to the temple mount. And they were singing their songs up to God. The psalm starts, of course, in the depths of of despair. But it takes us on an upward journey until we arrive at that place at the end, full of hope for the future. So the writer, in a sense, is ascending, going up in spirit as he writes. So let's look how this relates to where we are, what our identity is, and let's look at it in more detail. The psalmist begins with a cry of help. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. And again, if I look in the Message Bible, I love the opening lines in the Message Bible. It says, help God, the bottom has fallen out of my life. It can feel like that sometimes, can't it? In the depths. It's a difficult and dangerous place to be, where we feel abandoned, alone, hopeless. I suspect most of us can relate to being in the depths 
at some point in our lives. A place where our heart is troubled by things that have gone wrong. And it's at this time, isn't it, when we're not sure of who we are, when we question that we lose sight of our identity. It may be that that we had times like this before we started our Christian journey. Or it may be that it's been times of doubt when we've already been on the journey with God for many years. And there are different depths. Poverty, perhaps. Sorrow, where it feels as though one thing after another is thrown at us. Perhaps mental darkness. But in the depths, the depths is past. The past is full of gloom. The present is a puzzle. And the future seems pointless. Perhaps the worst depths come out of a place of sin. The things that we do against God's teaching. Because sin robs us of our identity. Sin robs us of our identity. And God hates sin because of what it does to us, his children. That's us, you and me. When we break God's laws, it has a spiritual dimension to it. And the result is that it can break us. Unless we cry out to Father God as the psalmist is doing here. When we cry out, it's a massive gap, isn't it? Two extremes. Down in the deep, deep places, but crying out to God who is up high in the heavenly places. And we see he's crying to the Father to hear his voice, to listen, and to take notice. And he can do that because he's recognized that to get out of this place, he needs to turn to God and ask for mercy. He's saying, I need mercy. I recognize I'm a sinful human being that needs your help, God. Because you and only you are the one who can help me. Reminds me of the story of Jonah when he was in the belly of the fish and he cried to God. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. It's a shame we have to get so low sometimes, isn't it? Before we realize that the only way is to cry out. But just as Jonah was heard by God, we can know that God hears us no matter how low we get. And that's a great truth to hold on to, isn't it? God hears us no matter how low we get. Wow. The deep suggests a storm. And as I was writing this just over a week ago, we were in the midst of Storm Doris. I hope none of you suffered too much damage. But I could see the trees from my study. And they were usually upright. But they were bending over in the gale. as though something was being thrown at them. And as the gusts hit them, they bent over. And it made me think that I, perhaps we, are like that when sin tries to get hold of our lives. Pushes against us, doesn't it? It makes us bend, almost sometimes to the point of breaking. The sort of things are described in Colossians, which I'm going to read to you. But I haven't got my Bible, so that's clever, isn't it? Let's have a Bible. What have I done with it? And where is Colossians? Anybody got the page number? Colossians 3, here we are. 
So, things of our earthly nature. Sexual immorality, it says, Colossians 3. Impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. You must rid yourself of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Do not lie to each other. All these things, they're like a gust on the tree, a gust of anger, just bend a bit, gust of envy, greed, jealousy, bending over. If we look in verse 3 of our psalm, if you, Lord, kept a record of our sins, who could stand? Have you ever kept a record of your sins? A lot of you are shaking your head. And what do we mean by that? Well, not every wrong thought, but words, things that we do, that we might call sins of commission, our actions, and sins of omission, things we fail to do, like acts of kindness, loving our neighbour. Gets uncomfortable, doesn't it? How many a day do we do of all these things? How many tomorrow? How many this week? If they kept piling up. Well, a few of us actually did this last year, I was remembering when I was writing this. It was a little thing, a part of the start course. And just to heighten our awareness of what sin actually is and how it's part of our daily lives, even though we don't want it to be. And we didn't keep a record to make ourselves feel awful failures and to see how bad we were, but just to make us aware of how often on a daily basis we do things. It was very hard. But it made us realise how much we needed to cry out to God every day and stay close to him. Like the tree, if all our sins piled up on top of us, we would not be able to stand tall and upright. We would be blown over, uprooted maybe, overwhelmed. As they increase and pile up, they'd press us down and break us. The trees I could see in Storm Doris kept bouncing back, kept bouncing upright, until the next gust came. Why was that? Because they had deep roots. They were healthy trees. So how can we stand tall? How can we have deep roots that stay spiritually healthy? Here it is in the next verse. But with you there is forgiveness. Forgiveness. That's the reason we're not blown over. That's the reason we're not destroyed, uprooted like the trees. God is for us. And God has given us Jesus. And through him, through his death and his resurrection, we are forgiven. If our deep, strong roots are in Jesus, we can return like the trees to the upright position after each gust. And Paul instructs us to do just that. So then, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. But it's difficult to understand, isn't it, forgiveness? But forgiveness brings us back into relationship with our Father. And Jesus knew it was hard for us to grasp what forgiveness really means, which is why he told parables and talked about it, and particularly the prodigal son. And in Luke 15, we hear about the younger son. I'm just going to find that, so I've got it in a minute. So the younger son, who was asked to sh- for his share of his, fa- he asked for his share of his father's money, so he could go off 
enjoy himself. He was bored, living a good life and caring, being cared for by his family. So he left home. He lived it up. Well, we can only imagine how, can't we? It says he squandered his money in wild living. Mind, yes. He went his own way. He experimented. Left the safety of his home. Ended up in a mess. Eventually, all his money was gone. He was down on his luck. And with no money, nowhere to live, nothing to eat. Friends who didn't want to know him anymore because he hadn't got any money to spend on them. He eventually finds himself looking after a farmer's pigs. And this, I'm hoping, is a picture of him feeding the pigs. If you don't recognise it, this is a sketch by Rembrandt. I'm sure you look at Rembrandt every day. But Rembrandt spent years focusing on the story of the prodigal son and drawing various sketches. But here, the son is in the depths. We can see his loneliness his isolation. I wonder what you see in the picture. His kneeling, posture of humility. That's the place we have to come to before we realize that we can't do anything in our own strength. And in this family, even the pigs have... Oh, that's not working. Never mind. Um, even the pigs have a family. You can see there's babies. There's a group. And the pigs are fat, but he's thin. He's starving. And he's leaning on the very thin stick. And if we just pushed it away, he'd fall flat down in the mud. Maybe even die. He is not where he belongs. He has lost sight of who he is. He's separated from everyone and everything. And then he realises he can go back. He realises he doesn't have to live like this. He needs to turn back. He needs to repent. He needs to go to his father. And at this point, in Luke 15, and verses 18, he says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. And what happens when he returns? His father runs to meet him, doesn't he? He welcomes him. He's waiting for his return. He celebrates. If that was you and that was your son, that would be your response? Yeah? I seem to remember as a teenager that was not my father's response. Even if I stayed out late in the evening, mother would be outside the house looking down the streets, of course, no mobile phones. Woe betide me when I got in and had the anger of my father. Rembrandt's masterpiece shows here. You can't see it very much. It's very dark, I know. But you can see the bit where the light is shining, where the father has his hands outstretched. It shows us the moment when the father embraces his son, a picture of unconditional love, total forgiveness. And there's such stillness in the picture. So, so it's going to go on forever. And the son is kneeling in the same posture, isn't he, that he was before the pigs. But now it's different. Now it's about reliance. Now it's about acceptance. Now it's about trust. It's about forgiveness. It's about love. God could punish us. He could send us away from him forever. But he chooses to show us what we don't deserve. His mercy and his love by forgiving our sins. And in this picture... 
the Father is Father God. He doesn't keep a record of our sins, although he sees everything we do and he knows, but he wipes away our wrongs. I'm spending a lot of time driving at the moment and again as driving home in the rain a few weeks ago thinking about this sermon, I realised that God wipes away our sin just like the wipers on the window screen of the car in the rain. Sometimes it's just drizzle, the wipers are slow, not needed much, the way is fairly clear. Sometimes it's a storm and they need to be constantly wiping so we can see the road ahead. Sometimes there's mud from the lorries, we need the extra water as well from the washer bottle as we see the way. But as we journey through life, God washes us clean because we have forgiveness through Jesus. Jesus went willingly to die on a cross to take away our sin and shame. And through his blood, we are washed clean. Swish, swish, swish. Swish, swish, swish. What song does that remind you of, all of those that have got children and grandchildren? The wipers on the bus go swish, swish, swish. The wipers of our Lord go swish, swish, swish. The love of God goes swish, swish, swish. And that forgiveness restores our identity. It's who we are. He washed me and you clean. He broke the chains. As we've said, God is a giver. He wants the best for us. He wants life for us. He wants to bless us. He wants to show us his grace. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Redemption meaning he has paid whatever it took to forgive me by Jesus' death on the cross. I'm about pictures this morning. I want to share with you a picture that was drawn by uh, one of our members, Angela. Sitting down here. And she drew this recently. And I was so amazed by it, I wanted to share it with you this morning. So she's given permission. Now, you may not be able to see it terribly well, but the whole thing is down here on the easel. So you can have a look at it later on. But you can see, hopefully, that the girl's legs are bound by chains. And the chains represent the various types of sin. And in the corner, there's the words of John 8, 32. The truth will set you free. Jesus is that truth. He has broken the chains. And the top of the picture shows that Jesus, as the word, is replacing her sin with all the promises of God. And in those ribbons as they fly out, there are words, as I say, you can see on the picture, words like chosen, child of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, unconditional love, new creation, peace, faith, worthy. I could go on. Have a look. But all the things that flow from being forgiven are being given to her. She is standing tall. She knows who she is. She is forgiven. I am forgiven. 
We are forgiven. Do you know who you are this morning? Do you live as if you're forgiven? Are you living as the Father wants us to in that forgiveness? The way we act comes out of that identity and that forgiveness. It's our character. And this passage gives us a clue as to how we should practice and live a life of being forgiven. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, live with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So we're to live a life of fullness. We're called to gospel living, encouragement, worship, thankfulness. Being thankful that God does not keep a record of our rubbish, but delights in us. Forgiving others because we know what it means to be forgiven ourselves. Living so we can look forward to the time when Jesus returns, when we're part of a new heaven and a new earth, living in his kingdom eternity. If we go back to our original psalm that we started with, the last verses of the psalm are looking forward. The psalmist wants to share his experience of being lifted out of the depths (laughs) with others. And so to end with, he calls upon Israel. In other words, he calls upon God's people. He wants to encourage and tell others about this fantastic future that, <clears throat> excuse me, that he knows is coming. He's on mission. I love this because we may think that God and mission were only discovered after Jesus um, was, was died and rose to heaven again. But, but God is missional all the way through the Bible, all the way through the Old Testament. He has a purpose right from the garden when, Adam ate the, when Eve ate the apple. His purpose or his mission is, was and still is to bring everyone back into right relationship with himself. Why relationship? Well, because God exists in relationship, doesn't he? He is three persons in one, we talk about. The Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He models perfect relationship to us and he lives in perfect relationship with himself. The Father sent the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. They've lived that way ever since, before creation. And here's the really good news. God wants us to join him. Oh, it's really good, isn't it? Yeah. God wants us to join him. That'll do. By knowing who we are in Christ, washed clean, forgiven, we are made able to join with God, to serve him by living a life that is forward-looking and not living in the past, knowing the best is yet to come. Thank you. They're not my words. They're words of Jesus. That all of them, that's me and you, may be one. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they, us, also be in us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. By being alive in Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God fulfills his mission to the world.
when all of us are reconciled and brought back to him. And this is why we are forgiven. So that we are clean enough, holy enough to be in relationship and serve God by joining in with what he is doing in this world so that his kingdom grows more on earth now. So this morning, do you know that you're forgiven? Can you claim the forgiveness that Jesus gives you? It's personal. Jesus died for you. Father God loves you. The Holy Spirit is at work in you. All you have to do is join in. As we move into a time of communion in a few moments, we're focusing on the price that Jesus paid to buy us back for Father God. And as we remember, as he died, Jesus' last words were, Father, forgive them. What a cost, what a price he paid for us. But also, let us remember that this was not the end. Like the psalmist, we look forward. After three days, we know Jesus rose, conquered sin and death, and later ascended to heaven to be with his Father. And as we said, Psalm 130 was one of the songs that the pilgrims sang as they went to the feast of the Passover. And it was at the time of the feast of the Passover that Jesus ate his last meal with the disciples. It was at this last supper that Jesus showed the importance of his body and his blood in achieving our forgiveness. It's fitting then and appropriate that we are going to gather in response around the communion table now. As a family, in remembrance, but also in celebration. A celebration of the forgiveness that we've been given, in thankfulness for what he has done, knowing who we are in Christ. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. All we have to do is look to the cross to be accepted, to join in. Turn to the person next to you and say, because of Jesus, I'm forgiven.